0: Alex Kostecki, welcome to the conversation today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the New York area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about how HR can develop a financial wellness benefit strategy for their employees within the organization. And some related topics, I think, as we explore kind of unconventional benefits that we might offer in companies. I am really thrilled to be sitting down with Alex today. Uh, as we get started, I just wanted to share Alex's bio with everybody. Alex Kostecki is co-founder and chief revenue officer of Claire. He previously worked in mergers and acquisitions at Deloitte for clients, including MasterCard and American Express, gaining insights and expertise into payments infrastructure and EWA technology. Alex obtained his master's from NYU Stern School of Business and holds a BS in economics from the University of Lusanne. It is a pleasure, Alex, to have you. Anything else you would like to share with the audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in?
1: No, that's it. Aside from the fact that uh, I'm from Switzerland and I've been in the U.S. for 10 years now and loving it here.
0: Wonderful. And we were just chatting in the pre-interview. You'd spent some time out in Utah earlier in the year for a couple of months. Uh, I think we may have won you over and we might get you to come back at some point and, and live yeah. here. Yeah.
1: Definitely trying to make it out there as fast as I can. We've actually got our operations team out there as well, uh-huh. uh, doing some support, and uh, and so every, any excuse I have to go make sure everything's running well over there, I, I take it.
0: Wonderful. <laughs> All right. As we get started, uh, I thought maybe we could just talk a little bit about Claire um, generally. If you can yeah. uh, explain a little bit about the company, the the purpose, its mission, uh, and then we can dive more into the financial wellness benefits component.
1: Yeah. So Claire started because uh, my co-founder and I saw a really strong opportunity in connecting basically HR tech and financial services, because it really allows you to give uh, an additional level of of service to people. And so what we've done is we've built a, a, a f- an offering which contains a full bank account that employees can actually connect to their payroll system. And what that does is it gives them access to their pay whenever they earn it, but they can use that to earn interest on it and grow their safety net by up to, you know, $1,500.
0: That's very cool. Um, I don't know to the extent you can get into some of the nitty gritty on the HR tech integration side, but I'd love to hear more about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, what was really important for us was creating a service which um, actually put you in a in a better situation. Um, and so this is why we've sort of, built it all as a bank account, which really allows you to manage cash flow, which frankly, your employer is actually using today, right? Your employer Mm -hmm. uh, every two weeks is going to be issuing payroll and they use that capital to pay their bills and earn interest. And so the idea is like, how can you bring that to the user? So what we did is on the one on one side, we built, you know, using a standard fintech stack, a full uh, digital banking platform where you can pay your bills, you've got a a savings account, etc., uh, and then we had to go out and, you know, try to convince as many payroll providers and workforce management systems as possible to work with us. What mm-hmm. we do is we work directly with their product teams uh, and we basically, you know, sell them on the dream of, look, this is where finance is going because this is, you know, really the opportunity to change the game and take a lot of of uh, customers from, from Chase, etc., um, they get very excited about this. And so we're working with very senior people there and they give us full access to basically um, an employee's data whenever the employee wants to link their bank account. So we'll know, you know, it's Monday and Julie's clocked out of work and it's worth $200 and she has to wait two weeks for that for that um, to hit mm-hmm. her bank account on, on Chase. And what we do at that point is we basically say, well, we know that, that Julie's good for her money and so we can make that available to her as an interest-free loan. And she can do whatever she wants with that, including get interest on it, um, and all of that takes place within the within the bank account. And then once her paycheck lands on Claire, that's when we take back our share, free of charge, um, and we basically run the whole platform on on uh, the money we make on card swipes.
0: Hmm. Super interesting. Uh, what what has been any resistance you may have been receiving from organizations you're trying to partner with?
1: Yeah, I I think um, on the payroll provider side, you know, they're starting to understand the big impact they can have in the financial services world. It's definitely an evolution we've seen take place throughout the founding of the company uh, over the four years we've existed. Uh, Initially, it was really like, you know, this is not data that I know that we can be sharing, uh, um, not data that I know makes sense to, to make available to people. Should I be cross selling financial services? That kind of stuff. And um, the more this has actually changed in other adjacent industries, for example, you think of POS systems and Affirm or Klarna, the more payroll providers have recognized that they can actually really just bring a lot of value to their customers, as long as they play by the rules, right? They're really, really Mm -hmm. careful on data compliance, and they're really careful on fintech compliance. And so we really made a name for ourselves in actually understanding deeply how every state perceives these transactions and how to, you know, advise payroll providers through this process. So that's why a lot of them turn to us at the end of the day to, to offer these services.
0: Very cool. And you already started to outline it, but maybe we could get into more detail about the the specific benefits for workers and employees.
1: Yeah, so... Um... You know, initially, we came into the earned wage access space, right? There's other companies in this space, companies like Daily Pay, who really took a, a first iteration at the concept of, you know, what if I can plug some kind of digital ATM to your payroll system? Mm-hmm. And for us, the idea was, well, that's great. But if you're paying a fee on advancing your wages, you're going right. to end up in that cycle, right? You're going to end up with your paycheck being l- lower than it was. But on top of that, owing some money to a, to another provider. So it was really important for us that we basically create a product which has people actually save more over time. And we track this metric very closely, Claire. What is the balance they have in their savings account um, on day one? And what is that balance a year later? And uh, conversely, what is their use of earned wage access Uh, at the beginning? and was their use of earned wage access a year later. And um, what we're seeing is basically people consistently use earned wage access much less and take about eight months to get to that $400, that coveted $400 amount that you need in your bank account, right? So we're really seeing people actually build their financial lives. And they get pretty excited about it because we do it in a way where, you know, they'll get rewards on payday, they're able to sort of access uh, that money in a way that which isn't necessarily for emergencies, but can be for maybe investment or putting in a savings account that we make available to them. And so uh, employees in general are super excited about it. The other thing I'll say is that it it really creates a stronger link between, for example, an open shift on the next day mm-hmm. and um, and you know you wanting to pick up that shift. So we're basically seeing not only are employees showing up at work um, uh, way more and staying at their jobs 40% longer, but 20% uh, more shifts are being picked up by people who have this product because they make that relationship, right? And so that's really sort of where we can tie the 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 advantage for employees with the advantage to employers as well.
0: That is super cool. That's a really humongous benefit uh, when you think about that forty percent. Uh, that's huge. Um, I, I know something else that, uh, as I was preparing for the episode, you know, there's some materials around Gen Z and millennials and the underbanked. Maybe we can get into that a little bit more and uh, how this can benefit them.
1: Yeah, totally. So. We're, um, a little overexposed on, on Gen Z and millennials compared to your standard bank, because you need to, frankly, w- want to be okay with change in order to adopt mm-hmm. a new bank account. Right. When you think about wherever you got your bank account, most people chose it when they were, you know, in their twenties or, or even younger. Uh, and so a lot of the people that come our way are on the younger side, cause they're just more open-minded about these things. And I think, uh, that gives us a ton of data to compare with, with sort of the, the, uh, the older generations we see on Claire. And um, I think there's three really interesting things that stand out for us understanding this, this population. Firstly, um, in older generations, there's really this notion that a bank uh, should be an old building with, you know, big, big stone pillars. It, you know, it's all about, like, length and reputation. Um, and that's completely disappeared in the new generation that basically is dealing with Venmo and Cash App, but also a generation that has relatively low trust with big banks, because those banks are charging them $35 overdraft fees, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing is, you know, this generation is, is way more apt to open the new bank accounts and explore things as long as they know, obviously, the basics their FDIC insured, et cetera. And it also means, which is kind of the second point that they move money around a lot more than we see uh, older generations do. So they'll typically have, you know, Three different accounts open in different places. A little bit of money in Venmo, maybe a savings account somewhere, and kind of have this mentality of of a squirrel hiding nuts all over the place. Uh, <laughs> we're seeing a lot of that with uh, with uh, with that generation, and it's really interesting to see just just uh, how that changes their their spending habits. And the last one, this one is uh, maybe something that I think uh, we should be careful of and and uh, and stay close to is they spend just way more on convenience products. Uh, I think we were looking at a ranking of, uh, we actually published this data the uh, recently, just a couple of weeks ago, but we're looking at a ranking of where they spend. And uh, the number one category for that generation is Uber Eats. <laughs> where for other other uh, generations that would have been walmart right they would have driven themselves to buy their food and cook it themselves and and here we're talking about instant gratification right uh and then you know uh a few a few steps down amazon is like on everybody's list everybody's using that
0: yeah that's interesting and just you know anecdotally i'm thinking of my two college-age daughters um and you yeah. know their spending habits and i'm like yeah that tracks <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure everybody kind of recognizes them, their their kids in in those stats
0: yeah for sure well cool so with all of this in mind the background that you just provided maybe we can get into you know wh- why and how hr professionals can really get into the financial wellness space uh and and look at that strategically as a benefit for uh their people for their employees in the organization
1: It all starts from what is an HR professional's responsibility. And what they're doing is they need to use whatever budget they have to ensure people are showing up to work, feeling safe, stable, and very focused, right? And the more you can do in that direction, the better. The reality is that budgets uh, allocated to HR professionals are getting tighter. And with what's going on in consumer spending or what's predicted to go on in consumer spending over the next two years, they're going to get even tighter. So it's going to be very difficult for HR professionals to follow um, the requests that are coming in through unions or the requests that are coming in through employees. And so they need to get creative about not only how do they sort of make their job more appealing uh, for, for new employees or existing employees, but on top of that, how do they help? Uh, employees actually manage their finances, right, and 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 stay uh, stay uh, above water. Uh, and there's obviously different options for that. Uh, there's longer term options like 401k, which you know I'm a super big supporter, proponent of. Um, but then there's you know there's figuring out how you help employees in the very short term. Um, and you know I I think it's actually starting to be when we see the difference in value that an employee can get when they have access to sort of employer sponsored financial tools versus just going out there and downloading an app that charges you 300% interest rates, I feel like it starts to become an HR rep's responsibility to actually adopt these products and make sure that, uh, you know, the employees have access to them.
0: Yeah, helping your people to navigate. I mean, we could have a whole debate on whether it's the employer's responsibility or not. But the reality is, if you want to have a a thriving workforce, people, you know, producing well for your organization, you got to meet them where they're at, and you got to help them um to to meet the needs that they have and financial wellness is one of those key components so maybe in previous generations we would have never even considered this as something that was any of the company's business or anything they needed to worry about but in this day and age it's added to the list of things that employers need to think about uh we we talk about uh, mental health way more now than we did ever you know 10 20 years ago but we recognize that it's really important because it has Tremendous impact on turnover rates and productivity and absenteeism and all those sorts of things. Uh, financial wellness can have the same types of impacts, and you already identified a few statistics that kind of relate to that. Mm-hmm. and And so, if it, 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 it's an opportunity, and I think it's it's something that forward thinking organizations are going to, you know, step into this space uh, and get a little bit of ahead of the game uh, in in terms of providing this kind of benefit for their people. Eventually, I, I think. This is the type of thing every organization is going to need to be thinking about doing, or they're going to lose potential great workers um, to other companies that are providing these great services and and these types of benefits.
1: Yeah, I I think um, the, the way I'd frame it is, you know, it becomes... In my opinion, obviously uh, and and I, I do recognize I'm slightly biased, but uh, it becomes <laughs> uh it becomes in my mind an employer's responsibility when them acting brings outsized value to the employee yeah. so a typical example of that is uh, health insurance right when there's a when there's an employer that buys health insurance on behalf of the employee, the cost of the health insurance is going to be lower. What we see with financial services specifically anything linked to liquidity and giving access to cash. Is uh, the same thing. Basically, if an employee goes out and tries to get access to, to funds through like, a, you know, a high fee credit card or overdraft fees, et etc, they are going to get charged, you know, astronomical fees or, or interest rates. Whereas when an employer can partake in that model, it can be free for them. And by the way, it's also free for the employer. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's that link of like the access to data is something that's very new and that didn't exist um, 10, 15 years ago. And it's, it's why I think a lot of HR professionals are tracking this very closely and making sure that, you know, they're, they're making the right decisions and adopting tools that are actually good for their, their people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and thinking about that adoption piece, what, what are some of the types of things that employers should be keeping in mind and selecting financial wellness benefits providers? Uh, Obviously again, there's a some bias here because you're representing one company, but, you know, what, what are some of the things you'd be talking people through, uh, as they're trying to make some of those decisions?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll keep this one very high level to, to not sort of be a a set of directions to buy Claire, but really what I think is the the, the, the sort of key considerations. Um, I think number one, and you know, this is a very subjective assessment, but you have to figure out, do you actually think this is going to make your employees' lives, uh, better? Right. So if you're an HR uh, or CHRO at an investment bank, adopting Claire is not going to check that box. Right. Uh, And it might be it might be something different, like, uh, um, you know, student loan repayments with SoFi or something like that. Right. But that's obviously number one. And like talking to your employees, understanding that is really important. Number two, for me, something that's actually quite overlooked is whether or not um, the company has a strong understanding of compliance. Um, mm. There's a lot of complexity involved in paying people early or, uh, you know, changing payroll processes, that kind of stuff. Um, we've actually, you know, built Claire from the ground up around this and, uh, you know, obtains, you know, state by state licensing across the country to be able to operate in 50 states. But a lot of providers haven't done this because it's, it's not yet being, uh, very closely looked at by regulators. Uh, and I think it, it will be very soon. And so I would definitely caution HR managers to have a deep understanding of this and, and ask all providers on any calls, whether or not um, they can operate in states like California or, or Massachusetts and, and, uh, and, and what their compliance framework there is. Um, and then the last thing, which is, um, I think something that HR managers are, are, are very conscious about, but uh, that should definitely make the list is, will it add work to your plate over the long-term? right, it's really important to have uh, a lot of investment in launching a benefit. That's always the case. But the question is, are you going to have to be filling out forms and reconciling sheets um, every Friday or every second Friday, because you're running payroll? Or is this something that's designed in a way that's sort of thought thought out so that you don't need to be cascading new processes to your whole HR team? Um, And so, you know, all three of these is uh, all three of these are, are factors that we thought through very deeply in terms of designing our benefit at Claire, and uh, obviously there are other providers that that you know look at these very closely. But I don't think that um, it's unanimous in the market that all of these boxes are checked.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and maybe as we start to wrap things up, let's talk about twenty twenty four, and we can talk further out too, I suppose. But really, thinking about you know key takeaways from 2023 as we enter the new year what you think we might be around the corner in 2024 and beyond um regarding financial wellness benefits
1: yeah um so i'd basically talk about uh two two points there's the regulatory compliance piece and then there's um just it, the economy and demand mm-hmm. um so on the regulatory compliance side just just for the the background um Regulators are starting to recognize that um, offering access to on-demand pay is a loan, right? It's it's offering money early. And um, this is something that we've been expecting for for three, four years now. Uh, and finally, the dominoes are starting to fall. California actually just passed a bill recognizing it as a loan a couple of weeks back. Uh, the first one this year was Maryland. And we're seeing discussions uh, in, in the houses of many states across the country. Mm. Um, in my mind, that implies that basically... Next year is going to be uh, fraught with additional rulings like this, which implies that um, many of the earned wage access providers out there, in fact, almost all of them apart from us, um, are going to have to either substantially change their models uh, or shut down because um, they won't be legally allowed to operate in those states. And so that's definitely something to to look out for. We're seeing uh, other companies in our space starting to to look at this and trying to understand um, what regulatory framework they want to approach. Um, but it's, it's definitely going to be a very big piece, particularly for, um, enterprise customers, right? Companies that operate mm-hmm. in like, um, 20, 30, 40 States and who need to have operations that are actually repeatable across all those States. So that's the first thing I'm watching very closely. The second thing is that the economy is obviously cooling off and while the job market is staying strong, um, consumer savings are very low. They're at an all-time low, mm-hmm. lower than they were during covid And so we're for sure going to see a decrease in demand for consumer products. And that necessarily is going to make its way back into budgets for uh, salaries, right? It might take uh, a quarter or two, but it always makes its way quite fast that way. Um, So it doesn't bode super well for uh, the ability of an employer to meet wage demand because they'll see a drop Mm -hmm. in revenues. But it does mean that they're going to need to get creative on helping employees get more out of their pay. Um, And so basically... That's where I think financial wellness benefits, as well as any other benefits where employers can have a lot of leverage on value to an employee's package um, yeah. are going to play a really, really big role and continue being a big theme
0: yeah, thank you. That's super helpful to think through that uh, and and I agree when any any opportunity to provide really great value to employees at low cost or no cost to the employer for already expensive benefits packages is going to be a huge thing it's and and everyone's going to be trying to find out how to leverage um you know a whole array of different offerings that kind of fall into that camp um or under that umbrella of of the types of benefits you know that are a little bit different than what we typically talk about uh, in the traditional uh employee benefits packages that we see um so i i really do think financial wellness benefits is going to be one of those huge things um uh, in the coming next year, but in the coming years as employers are are thinking about trying to, to add a meaningful value to their people. Like you said, to, to, you know, maybe they won't be able to, to increase salaries to the extent they want to, but if they can help their employees make better use of the existing money that they do have, the, the salary that is coming their way in 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 helpful ways uh, that will be huge. So all of this mm-hmm. has been a, Great overview, Alex. I really appreciate it. Uh, as we start to wrap up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: So it was great chatting with you as well. I think this is a really, really interesting topic that uh, I'm always trying to learn more about. And so I welcome anybody who has strong opinions about it to, to reach out to us. Uh, obviously, you can learn learn more about our company on our website, uh, which is getclair.com, G-E-T-C-L-A-I-R.com. Uh, and then my LinkedIn, definitely try to read all the messages that come my way. Uh, so I'm Alex Kosteki, K-O-S-T-C-K-I, uh, and definitely try to, to to read everything that comes my way. So don't hesitate to drop a note. Um, and then yeah, on the topic more broadly, you know, these are really exciting times. Lots of great companies in the payroll space that are opening themselves up to uh, financial services. I truly think that this is going to change the way we bank and we borrow money um, for the next few decades. And so it'll, you know, just keep your eye on it, no matter uh, what companies you believe will, will be successful. Because uh, I, uh, I think we're going to see big changes there.
0: Yeah, yeah, well said. Alex, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Alex can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone will stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and please join us again soon.